Psalm 107 in your Bible this morning. Uh, We're going to talk about how God is good to all. Now, that might be surprising to you to hear that, but I'm going to show you from the Scriptures today how true that it is, that God is good to all. Psalm 107. Now, before you stand, uh, there's a slide on the screen up there that I want you to look at, and it says this, The Lord is good to all. He shows loving kindness to all His creation, right? Loving kindness, that's a word that we use in the church, but I don't typically use that uh, when I talk to Gail or when I talk to you or when you talk to anybody else. The word loving kindness is something that we may not really know the definition of. So let's kind of break that down a little bit. We, we know love, right? We see that God is love, and the Bible teaches us that. But what is loving kindness exactly? Well, some people call it a steadfast love, right? Some people call it an intense love. Some scholars want to use the word passionate, everlasting love, a covenant love. Now, I know that I probably didn't help you any better to understand the word loving kindness. So let me try to tell you what I see it being. I see it being God's acceptance of you. Loving kindness. Now look at that verse again in Psalm 145. The Lord is good to all. He shows undeserved acceptance to all of His creation. Right? We don't deserve God's grace. It wouldn't be grace if we deserved it. We don't deserve His love. We all have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. So somehow, in some way, God still extends His reach to us because He loves us. And so His loving kindness is His acceptance of us, an undeserved acceptance of us, an unqualified acceptance. Now, what does acceptance mean? Well, we all kind of have an idea of that in our mind, what the word acceptance means. Let me uh, elaborate a little bit on it. God's acceptance of you means that He accepts you as you are. He doesn't intend or require you to become Someone that you're not so that He will accept you. He accepts you just like you are. He accepts people in the place where they stand, in the, in the ideas that they have, in the attitudes that they believe, in the lifestyle they're living. God will accept you just like you are. He doesn't expect you to become someone that you're not. God accepts you undeservedly just like you are. That is an unqualified acceptance. God doesn't force you to be somebody else. God allows you to talk to Him about how you feel and why you feel that way without shooting you down. Now you may have something in your life, living a certain way, believing certain things, but you can't talk to people about it in society because they'll shoot you down. You know what I'm saying. You understand where I'm going. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't shoot you down. 
He receives you just like you are. He accepts you the way you have stood. He's not forcing you to be somebody else. He's allowing you to express yourself freely to Him. That is unqualified acceptance. There's some more to it, though. Because He accepts you doesn't mean you're right. Amen? Because God accepts you the way you are doesn't mean that you're right. What it means is that God is accepting you so that He can teach you His way. So that He can show you His truth. So that you can understand who He is. It doesn't mean that you won't be corrected. Because God accepts you doesn't mean you will not be corrected in the things that you are doing, the way you are living. It simply means this. God accepts you and you are safe. That is loving kindness, my friends. That's what this Psalm 107 is all about. Let's stand and read the first few verses of this Psalm and see how and who God accepts. Psalm 107 says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Let's pray. Father, show us today your acceptance of us, even now in my life, where I am. Someone here may not know you today. Someone may not be walking with you because they feel unaccepted. Lord, show them that they are wrong. Show them you accept them. Father, give them hope. Give them grace. Give them what you've given many Christians that are in this room. Father, we love you and we praise you and we wait to see your marvelous works today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right? Where do these accepted people come from? It says right there that the Lord is good uh, and that his loving kindness, his undeserved acceptance is everlasting. Amen? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What does that word redeemed mean? There's another word I don't go around using in everyday language, but it's in a church word. It's a Bible word. It means to buy back. Let those who have been bought back say so. Well, who are those that have been bought back? The Bible says in Corinthians that I was dead in my sins and my trespasses. I was dead in the life I was living. But Christ, His death on the cross, bought me back. Amen? So now I am purchased by Jesus Christ, by His blood being shed for me. His life being laid down so that I could have life. I am redeemed. Verse 2 says, let me say so. Let me go around and testify. Amen. Where do these people come from? He tells us in verse 3, they come from everywhere. This type of person comes from all over the planet. From the east and the west, from the north and the south, from all of the lands of the earth. That's where these people come from. They are redeemed. They are bought back from who? From the domination of Satan. When I'm born into this world, I don't have to join up with Satan. I'm already on his team. 
You're already in His realm. You're already in His kingdom. You are separated from the kingdom of God because of sin. At your birth, you don't have to do anything to get on the wrong side. You're already there. What has to happen is you need to be rescued from that side. Jesus Christ came to rescue you. He didn't come to put His thumb on you and squeeze you out. He didn't come to, to, to uh, forcefully make you do something. He simply came to offer you to be rescued. And when you allow that, when you receive that gift, then you step into God's kingdom and away from Satan's kingdom. You have been bought, you have been redeemed from the domination of Satan. That's where you came from. Somewhere in this world, you were unable to save yourself. You were trapped by Satan. You were redeemed by Christ. Let the redeemed say so. Testify. Tell people what you've done. Right? Tell people what Christ has done for you. We know where they came from, but who are these people? Who are these people? Well, Psalm 107 gives us four groups, and I would venture to say this, that you are in one of those four groups, or you were. Some of you might have been in all of these groups. Some of you in a couple of these groups, but we're going to look at all four of them. The first group, who are they? They're the restless ones. Look in verse 4. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Who are these restless ones? These are people in this life that wander around, as the Bible says, in a desert place. They go from job to job, from marriage to marriage, from church to church, looking for something that they cannot find because they're looking in all the wrong places. I was in that group. 34 years I lived in that group. I wandered around in this world looking for things to satisfy me, looking for opportunities to feel good, to feel better, and I pursued many of those. But you know what? They were all a dead-end road. I wound up in a desert Place, just like the Bible says, maybe you are one of these people that wander around in your life looking for what this world can do for you, looking for what this world can offer you, not ever finding it. You're looking and having questions, but you can't get any answers. You're experimenting with all kinds of things, but they never satisfy you. What he means there by finding no city is that they find no place for themselves. They find no place to fit in. They find no gathering to mingle with. They find no security in numbers. They're alone in this world, you restless ones. You know what I'm talking about. You might be one of those right now, and you're looking. I'm telling you today, you'll only find what you're searching for in Jesus Christ. Amen? Church, come on, tell me then. You'll only find... Him, and He is the answer to your things. You know what's bad about most of these restless ones? Is they're lost and they're undone, but they don't even know it. They don't even know they're separated from God. They don't even realize it. That's the first group of people. Reminds me of a story of 
a couple of parents took their little kids to Disney World, and when they got there, they bought them both boys a flag, and they said, you hold this flag up, and then when we get in a crowd of people, we can find you easily. Okay, Mom and Dad, they go off into Disney World. They ride the rides. They see the sights. All of a sudden, a parade comes down the street, and so they gather up to the curb to watch the parade, and Mom realizes that the little one, Johnny, he's gone. She can't find him. She starts calling his name. They look around. They separate. They're hunting for Johnny. They can't find him nowhere. Fifteen minutes of this turmoil happens, and then Mom points out to the street to Dad down the way, and he looks out in the street, and here comes the band, and there's little Johnny holding his flag up, and he's waving it, marching down the street with the band. Johnny is lost, but he doesn't know that he's lost. He's enjoying everything about this world and where he is at the moment and what he's doing in his life. He's not lost, but he is lost. Amen? You may be lost and not even realize you're lost because you're separated from God and you're restless, but you move here and to and fro looking for answers and things that might satisfy you. Look what happens to these people in verse 5. They are hungry. They are thirsty. Their soul is faint within them. But in verse 6, something happens. Something changes in verse 6. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also by a straight way to go into and inhabit, to go in, I'm sorry, to go to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness, His undeserved acceptance of them. How did they receive that? In all four groups, you're going to see the similarity there. In all four groups, these people are separated from God, but somewhere in their life, they realize that. And what do they do? They cry out to the Lord. In all four groups that we'll read today, that's the key. They cried out to the Lord and He saved them. You can be that person. You can be one to receive God's gift of salvation. Even today, if you would call out to Him. God delivered them. You've tried everything in your life. Nothing you find is fulfilling for you. Cry out to God and He will deliver you. Verse 7, He led them also in a straight way. What did Jesus tell us? Jesus said this, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way to destruction and many will enter it. But you walk through the narrow gate for straight is the way to life. And very few will find it. Do you realize that? There will be more people going to destruction than there are going to life in this world. That came right out of the Savior's mouth. He's not a pessimist. He's a realist. He's talking reality. There will be more people rejecting God and going into hell than there will be to receive God's gift of salvation. If you're restless this morning and you're hopping around in your life, you need to settle down and stop and cry out to the Lord 
and He will fill you and He will give you what is good for you. That's group number one. Let's look at group number two here in our text. Group number two starts in verse 10. Then there were those who dwelt in darkness and the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains, because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Here's a group of people that are trapped. They're chained. They're in prison. They don't know a way out. There is no way out for them. They are in rebellion. They have turned aside from the counsel of God, from the words of God. They've become a prisoner of their habits, of their thoughts, of their own ideas. Their attitudes are holding them in its grip. How does this happen to people? What takes place for these things to happen? Many things cause it. Drugs. When we think of drugs in our society today, we think of illegal drugs, don't we? We think of those things that are on the streets, that you can only buy on the streets. But you know what? It's becoming more and more evident, even in our own society, that it's not just illegal drugs that are trapping people. It is pharmaceutical drugs. It are the drugs that come in pill form, in a bottle from a pharmacy, that are enslaving people and creating in them things that shouldn't be and desires that shouldn't be there. And they're unable to break free from these things. Alcohol is a way for you to be trapped Sexual immorality is a way for you to be trapped. Bitterness, anger, the list goes on and on and on for a person to be trapped in chains because they have turned away from God's Word. They've turned away from the truth of God. Look in verse 12. What does God do to these people? Let me, let me tell you something here. When you read this, you're going to say, oh, that's mean. But it's not. It's grace. Look in verse 12. Therefore he humbled their heart with labor. And, stu- and they stumbled and there was none to help them. What did God do? He humbled their heart with labor. When Paul was uh, known as Saul, the Christian killer, right? And he was leaving Jerusalem to go out and to find some more Christians to put into prison, the Bible says he was on a road to the city of Damascus. And on this road to Damascus, with the orders from the Jewish hierarchy to capture Christians and bring them to prison, the Lord Jesus descends and meets Paul on the road. We read that in Acts chapter 9. And it says, the Bible says, a brilliant, bright light shined And Paul fell to the ground in the presence of the Lord Jesus. And Paul cries out, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you, Paul, to kick against the goads. Paul, it's hard for you to be a sinner. Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 13, that the way of a sinful man is hard. It's not easy to be a sinner. And it's not the way out to be a sinful man. It is difficult. It is hard. And here God takes these people trapped 
in drug abuse, in alcoholism, in bitterness, in hatred, whatever the hang-up might be, God takes them and He humbles them by making them labor and making them strive and making them suffer. Why? So that they would turn to the Almighty. That's why. He's not being mean about it. It's the only way He can get their attention. You might be one of these, trapped in this way of living, trapped in this style of life. And I want you to know that God's not going to make it easy for you. It's going to be difficult for you until you come to a place where you finally stop and you do what these people did. In verse 13, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and He broke their bands apart. Praise God. You know what's sad about this is I find myself in the first two groups. I was in that group that was trapped by my lifestyle and the things I was doing. And what I thought would bring me satisfaction and joy was killing me and taking me down the wrong path. But God rescued me when I called out to Him. Amen. Praise God. Thank Him for that. Now, God does not leave them in this place. God rescues them when they call out to Him. How does He do it? He brings them out of darkness and puts them in light. Amen. He opened their eyes to reality. He opened them to the reality of truth and God's Word. You know, God's Word is not given to man to be contradictory. It's not given to us to be adverse. It's given to us to show us life. To show us what real life consists of. That's what God's Word does. It's real, it's true, and it's right. And God broke the bonds of this group of people. Look in verse 15. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His undeserved acceptance. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness and for His wonders to the sons of men. For He has shattered gates of bronze and cut bars of iron asunder. I know what that means. In my life, I know what that means. When you're trapped in drugs or alcohol and you don't, can't get out of it and you don't know what, which way is up or down, all you can do is drugs and alcohol. You are trapped in a cell of bronze and iron, and there is no way out until you call out to the Lord. You cry out to Him. And what does He do? He breaks those bars, and He breaks those chains, and He cuts down those gates of bronze, and He sets you free. Amen? I know what that is. I've experienced that. Praise the Lord for what He's done in my life. He has delivered me. These people have now received power they've never had before. You might be one of them here today. Receive that power that you've never had before. Don't let alcohol or greed or pharmaceuticals or problems grip you the way they do men all over this world. Now, this doesn't mean when God sets you free that you don't struggle anymore. Okay? The struggle changes. It changes fields. I no longer struggle with drugs and alcohol. 
Now the struggle is not to go back to the drugs and alcohol. But I believe in my heart, I'm even away from that struggle. And now my struggle is to glorify God in my life. Don't think that when God sets you free, that you won't be tempted. That you won't be persuaded by Satan. You will be. The temptation is not to be free. I mean, the the struggle is not to be free from it. The struggle is not to go back to it. It changes planes. It changes territory. It changes your life. And so God gives you that power to not go back. God gives you the power to remain free. No longer do you have this fight on your hands. Their response, they gave thanks to the Lord who received them with undeserved acceptance. The third group we find in verse 17, fools. Now let me, let me say something about that word right there. This is not a fool who is unintelligent. This is a fool who is ignorant of the ways of God. You can be a fool and be a very bright and brilliant person. Okay? It's not that they are stupid. This is not a fool who is stupid. This is a fool who is immoral. This is not talking about your intelligence. It's talking about your morality. And verse 17 says, The fool, the immoral person, because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all kinds of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Who is this people? These are people who have become sick Because of sin. Now let me say this also. All sickness is not from your sin. All right? There are some sicknesses that are caused by your sin. You know, our society has unfortunately labeled alcoholism as a disease. It's not a disease. Let me tell you that. It is a sin. It is a choice. How can a... Uh, disease be something I want to have and I choose to have a disease. Alcoholism, drug addiction is a choice. Now once it's got its grip on you, your choice has gone out the window and now you are addicted. But it all started not because of a disease. It started because you chose it. Amen? So get that straight, church. Now, these people are those who are Sick because of their decisions. They're sick because of the lifestyle they're living. And it goes to the point that says they have a board. They don't even want food. Have you ever been around an alcoholic? They don't eat. They don't want to eat. All they want to do is drink. Have you ever been around a drug addict? They don't eat. They don't want to eat. All they want to do is do drugs. That's all they can do. That's all they know to do. They think that's what's keeping them alive. And here we find this same group of people. Can you imagine finding this in the Old Testament? Wow, isn't that crazy that we would find stuff like this in the Old Testament, written hundreds of years even before Christ. But it's there. And they abhor all kinds of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. In other words, their drugs, their alcohol, their Bitterness, their hatreds, their angers, their attitudes brought them to the gate of death. 
And they were about to die. They were on their way to close their eyes in death. These people who were sick because of their sin. But what happened? Verse 19. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And He saved them out of their distresses. Verse 20. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Wow, what a gracious God we have. Did, God, did they deserve that? Did these groups of three deserve for God to accept them? No. But His loving kindness, His undeserved acceptance was handed out to anyone who would cry out to Him. You know, the only place in the Bible that it really tells you how to be saved is in Romans chapter 10. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says this, For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's all you got to do, my friend, is call on His name. Call out to Him the name of Jesus above every name, and He will save you. But men refuse, and men reject, and men push away the free gift that God offers. And so they go into destruction in the wide path. Wow, what a tragedy we find in our presence even today. Near death, God lets them reach despair. And then they call out to Him and He saves them. The first two groups are lost. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, group two and three are not lost. These are people who are destroying their lives. The first group was lost. Okay, they, they, they had no idea where they were and what they were doing. They rebelled against God. They do not deserve His grace. But God offers it anyway. Let's look at the last group. Perhaps you'll find yourself even in this group. Verse 23. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. I'm sorry, I was moving my slide forward. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. Who are these people? These are the religious people. That's what I titled them, because they have seen the works of the Lord. They've gone to church their whole life. They've grown up in the church. They know all the lingo. They know what loving kindness means. They know what propitiation means. They know all the words about Jesus, about salvation, about His works. They know all the Bible stories about Moses and Noah and Joseph. They know all the answers if somebody tries to quiz them about God. And yet, they don't know Him. They just know about Him. They've seen the works of God but they haven't experienced those works within their own life. These are people that we get an example by the writer, Asaph. He gives us the example of a businessman. This is a businessman, and he goes out on great waters, which means he, he goes out into the world, and he has business dealings with the world, and everything is great and hunky-dory. Good oaky word, right? And all is well in his life. And then suddenly, in verse 26, 
I'm sorry, verse 25. And God speaks. God speaks now. And God raises up a storm in this man's life. And God raises up this storm. And what happens to this man? Verse 26. He rises to the heavens and he goes down to the depths. And his soul melts away in misery. And he is reeled. And he staggers around like a drunken man. And he is at his wit's end. Here's a man who operates a business. And he's got it under control. And he's doing it all on his own. And he goes to church on Sunday because that's what good men do. But yet, he doesn't know God. And when a crisis comes into his life, he doesn't know what to do. He goes up and he goes down. He goes up and he goes down. And soon he begins to stumble around like a drunken man on a ship. And then he wakes up one day and he's at his wit's end about what he should do. That's this person. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've grown up in church and you know all the words. But you haven't walked with God. And you know that. And when a crisis comes in your life, instead of you going to the Lord, you try to handle it on your own. And you have experience at that. And you have knowledge at that. And you can put down a lot of these fires. And you can put them out in your business or in your family or in your friendships. But yet there will come one day when you can't put that fire out. And the only hope that you have because you've come to your wit's end, is what this man does in verse 28. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still, so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet, so He guided them to their desired haven. What do these people do in response? Verse 31, let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindnesses for, and for His wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol Him also in the congregation of the people and praise Him at the seat of the elders. Wow, we see four groups of people, four different groups. Like I said, I find myself in a lot of those groups. Maybe you find yourself in one or all of those groups. Whatever the case may be, we, we can realize some things from these groups. We are not self-sufficient. We cannot make it on our own apart from God. We are already in the wrong camp when we came into this world. If we do nothing, we go to destruction. You can be a good person. You can be a great guy to hang with. You can have all the money and help the poor. But you'll still go to destruction because Jesus didn't rescue you. You didn't allow it. You went on through your life thinking all was well and good. And you were lost as a goose in a snowstorm and you did not know it. And when your eyes close in death and they open in eternity, there you are. Just what you wanted. You know what's sad about hell is everybody that goes there gets just what they want. Did you know that? People that go to hell get what they want. In this life, they don't want God. 
So when they go to hell, they get what they want. There's no God. God's not there. There's nothing good. There's nothing pure. There's nothing holy. There's nothing right about that place. And so they get what they want. These four groups. The first group and the fourth group, they have problems because of their finite condition. Group two and three have problems because of their fallen condition. So I want you to understand that we do not live in this world by chance. We uh, do not exist by good management. We exist by permission from God. So we have to acknowledge God in everything that we do. Let me tell you this about me. Preaching is a very hazardous occupation. Did you know that? Okay. Preaching is a very hazardous occupation. Why? Because... I have to learn the message before I get to bring it to you. God teaches me the message before I get to share it with you. So it's very hazardous. Because I found myself in these groups of men. And I'm thankful to him that he accepted me undeservedly. And now I am in his kingdom. Right? You know, you might think because I've been preaching here for almost 12 years that these sermons just come to me out of the Bible and they just flow through me and it's all easy. I get that impression from some of you. I want you to know something. There's not one sermon of one week of any service that we have that I don't struggle with it. That I don't think that I can't do this. That when I'm sitting in that pew over there right before the praise team finishes and i got to get up there and talk, I'm still questioning what am I going to say. I realize how inadequate I am to serve God. I'm an old pipe fitter for heaven's sakes. I'm not an eloquent and well-given and well-spoken preacher. I'm an old pipe fitter that God called out of this world of sin into His kingdom. And that's what I want to do. I am inadequate, and I know that, especially when it comes to preaching. But then there's the other side of being a preacher, and it's all of the ministry needs that happen in this church, and people coming, and people having woes and problems, and I don't know how to cope with it. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix you. I don't know what to say. So I struggle with that. But guess what? I believe because I am inadequate and I understand that, that He knows that I need Him. And I go to Him. And I pray to Him. And I talk to Him about these messages and about you and about the needs of the church. Do I get everything right? You better believe I don't. I'm 50-50 even at that. But here's what I say. I know I'm inadequate. And I need to be close to Him. And that's where I hang out. Amen? That's where I want to be as close to my Father. I cried out to Him and He saved me. And He'll do the same for you in this place right here today. He will rescue you if you would simply allow Him to do so. Acknowledge Him. Acknowledge your inadequacy. Tell Him your hang-ups. Tell Him your shortcomings. Show Him your lack of humility. Let Him see it. Let Him hear it. And then, like I said earlier, His acceptance will receive you and He'll begin to teach you. 
and he'll begin to show you what's true. And he'll begin to show you what's right. And then you can call out to him and he will save you. Look at the last verse of this chapter. And I'm closing with this. The last verse. Look at it please with me. Who is wise? Let him heed. Let him give heed to these things. And consider the undeserved acceptance of the Lord. He will accept you just like you are right now in this place. You don't have to change. You don't have to get good. You don't have to stop cussing. You don't have to start cheating on your spouse. You don't have to stop doing anything like that. You don't have to stop gambling. You don't have to stop drinking. You don't have to stop your drugs. God will take you just like you are right now. And then He will listen to you and He will teach you. And believe me, brother, He'll change your life if you'll let Him. Let's pray. David, you come and lead us. Father, we ask you to bless this moment in your service today and glorify your name in this place and let people see that you are true and real and right and good to all. There's no one that is too far gone that you cannot change. And there is no one so far away that you cannot reach. Father, there's no one that's so unloving that you cannot love. Because I was Him, and you loved me. And I pray you love us today in this place right now. In Jesus' name, amen.